it's sending the email in the midst of the chatter because the, the chatter, the, the, the noise that says, why would you send the email? They're not going to reply back to you. Or who are you to send this email? You don't even have any clients. You've never done this before. And it's to send it anyways. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Now, if you follow me on Facebook, you might have seen that I recently shared my number one secret to success. Do you want to hear it? Are you ready? Do you have a pen? Look, here it is. My number one secret to success is this. I do stuff. (laughs) That's it. I do stuff irrespective of fear and judgment and a whole bunch of other noise we all have in our heads that we often use as an excuse to continue attending the next webinar or watch the next YouTube video or let's just read one more book or go on another day's training or spend the day oming on the sofa. All that noise that keeps us from being of service to others. That really is my secret. I do stuff. But I also quite like to do stuff I wouldn't normally do. I experiment a lot. I try things out. And furthermore, when I notice that I have some resistance around doing something, something I perhaps avoid because of some opinion I have, and believe me, I'm quite opinionated. I just don't tend to take my own opinions particularly seriously anymore. But when I come across myself avoiding doing something because of an opinion, I like to poke and prod at that. I like to ask myself, is this opinion, this prejudice, this prejudgment, this preconception preventing me from being of service? And the answer is almost always yes. Time and time again, I see um, how many of us use our opinions and preconceptions as a means to try and keep us safe when really they just keep us from being of service. This podcast came about because I had... Right, okay, because I have, (laughs) because I have some pretty strong opinions about this beautiful profession. And I turned them around into something that is of service to this coaching community. And today's guest is here, courtesy of me being willing to set aside some other preconceptions I had about a type of email that I received from a third party that connected us. It wasn't the kind of email I usually respond to, but there was something in it. I just felt that little nudge and also noticed my own opinions about this and thought, OK, let's give this a let's give this a go. And I am so glad I did. Um you know, because we've connected and yeah, she is uh, nothing short of amazing. Actually, she's someone who's been coaching for well over 10 years. She's invested heavily in um, her accredited training. And like many of us has had a bumpy ride in building her coaching business. I'm sure we'll get into that. She's now running a very successful coaching practice whilst bringing up a young family and absolutely perfect for the podcast. I really like her integrity, her authenticity, her willingness to be an open book. She's already helping a bunch of coaches and and trainers be successful and build their businesses in whichever way they want. And uh, I'm very grateful for her willingness to come and share uh, with us and give to this community. So big warm welcome, Melissa West. Hello. 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 So great to be here. Oh, Thank I'm so you, glad. Phil. I'm so glad we did this. I'm so glad we did this. So, Me too. Um, yeah. Can you just tell us then, um, perhaps just briefly, what originally got you into the coaching profession? Yeah. You know, it's been, you know, like you said, over 10 years that I've been in this profession. And so prior to that chapter in my life, I was in corporate America and I was in corporate America because I thought that's what you do to be successful is you go get a good job, you get a good job that has good benefits and a good paycheck. And, you know, I'm a good student. So I listened to my parents and got good grades in school. And, um, and on paper, it was good on paper. It was, I was successful. Um, but there really wasn't the fulfillment wasn't there. It was just going through the motions. It was, it was a job. And, um, I'm a very high energetic, high energy, energetic person. I have a lot of enthusiasm and passion and 
it just wasn't there. <laughs> and I thought, really, really, is this, this is it? Like, this is what people work so hard for is to get to this point. And I just wasn't buying it. So I really just began my own search for zest, for life, for energy, something. I was like convinced there had to be more. Um, and just did a little bit of everything, a little bit, started running marathons for that, just that, that rush and that high of running. I started jumping out of airplanes for that <laughs> three second, you know, 30 second rush of jumping out of the airplane. Um, I even started like selling some jewelry on the side, <clears throat> just something. I was looking for yeah. something and just kind of in that search, I came across a, a bunch of like personal development books and you know, um, you know, back then it was like teleclasses, um, and really got into it, just really soaked up personal development, goal setting, mindset, psychology, leadership, and eventually ended up hiring a life coach for myself. And then I was like, what people get paid for this? (laughs) Like, this is actually a profession that people coach and, and, through other people through like just their life and helping them design a better life for themselves. And after realizing it was an actual profession, (laughs) it's, and I don't, I actually think I enjoyed our coaching sessions probably even more than my coach enjoyed them. Like she even would say many times, she's like, you're the best client I've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then I just began to look at what would this look like? if I were to do this as a profession, because I was never more alive. I was never more just like buzzing when I was either in my own coaching session, whether I was reading about goal setting and mindset and psychology, it was just, it was like I had found, I just, I found it. Like I found that missing piece that really, really got me fired up. And I knew that was something there. Now, I was in IT. I mean, I was a web administrator. I sat behind a desk all day. Um, I analyzed web logs. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had never done anything. Like, I had never done any public speaking. I had never done any training. I mean, I, so it was all brand spanking new. Um, so it was... It was like learning a new language in a new foreign country with new rules and new, you know, new game, totally, you know, fish out of water, had no clue what I was doing. And to some degree, there was probably some value in that because I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I didn't have the fear or the doubt. I really just ran with kind of some naivety. (laughs) Is that the right word? Naivety? Naivety? I was naive. I was naive. I didn't even know what I was getting into. Um, I didn't know what entrepreneurship was or what it really took to build and run a business. I didn't know, you know, what a, like a profit and loss statement. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know anything about really about coaching. I didn't know anything about business. So, um, but I was ready to run. I was ready. I was ready. So, um, went and got my first coaching certification And from that coaching certification, one of the big things was to set a goal, right? Set a goal of when you were going to make like this real. And I set a date that was nine months from when I took that training. Again, not even realizing like what needed to happen in those nine months. Was that like Um, something you just picked out of the air kind of thing? Totally picked out of the air. Oh, that sounds good. And nine (laughs) months to what? Were you at this stage still in your corporate job? Yeah, totally. Yeah, not even a single client, not a penny. I haven't I hadn't made a penny from it. I didn't. (laughs) I just graduated like from that coaching certification program. And had yeah, nothing, nothing. I was just like, you know, I was just an excited kid. (laughs) And um, And you know what? Here's the thing, Melissa, I often say that I think we're pretty terrible as a species um, at predicting the future. But I know you're just going to, you're probably going to prove me wrong in that respect, right? Well, that's, well, here's, <laughs> yes, I am. And I'm going to probably piss some people off because how I, I did it, I did it. I'm still pretty impressed. <laughs> it's, I set a date nine. So it was October. It was October of 2007. 
And I set a date, I set a date October, of August 1st, 2008, is that I was going to be done full-time coach. Like I was going to resign and be, uh, August 1st of 2008 was going to be my like debut as full-time coach. I'm sorry, I'm telling the story wrong. It was July 31st of 2008. Okay. Yeah. But because, and this just proves that I picked the date out of the air, because then when I finally looked at the calendar, I saw that actually July 31st was a Thursday. <laughs> who, qu- who quits on a Thursday? Like, right. yeah. <laughs> whose last day is on a Thursday? So then my actual last, last day was August 1st. So I was off by one day. I only missed... <laughs> I was only off by one day, and that was really by choice because I wanted to have my last day be on a Friday. Um, so, so I did it. I did it in nine months. I replaced my income, and voila, here I am now, a full-time coach. And, you know, I don't know how you want how long you want me to go into this story, but well, I mean, I'm just you know, curious, <laughs> like, how does somebody do that? Like, wow, nine months to then essentially become self-sufficient in a completely new profession. That that is pretty amazing. It, and and again, I, I was I am impressed. <laughs> however, however, it was. I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I mean, like of, living out of, of your one, car or something. You know, there's no, like I, right. Well, yeah. So, yeah. No. 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 I mean, I was single at the time. I mean, I didn't have a husband or kids, so it was only me. I was only supporting myself. But I did replace my my you know my corporate income. However, because it happened so quickly. I still had an employee mindset. I still didn't understand business. I still didn't really, um, you know, just understand the etiquette of how to really serve, really provide. Don't get me wrong. I feel like I was a really good coach, but I didn't understand all the other working parts Mm, of a business and how to really, um, you know, provide the level of service besides the coaching piece to my clients. And so I learned all of that, you know, I had, you know, I had some really good, um, home runs out of the gate and had lots of clients. And then I wasn't filling the pipeline on the front end. I wasn't continuing to network because I had all these clients and they're never going to go away and they're (laughs) with me forever that, you know, I literally went from like a $20,000 a month income to like $3,000 a month and because all these clients that I had they like the program ended and I'm like well aren't you gonna where where are you going like aren't you gonna stay with me for <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't have I didn't know how to extend the life cycle I didn't have a business model it was just like a one and done type program and now I say that's like one of the biggest things I teach my clients is one and done is the death of your business never have a one and done workshop a one and done program a one and done coaching package. The idea is, is how do you continue to serve them as they evolve, as they continue to grow and extend the life cycle? So it doesn't mean they're going to stay with you forever, but I'd sure like a client to not stay with me for just three months. I'd rather them stay with me for nine months or a year or two years or more. And so now I'm always looking at how do I create longevity and sustainability with a client versus Oh, they came to my workshop. Bye. I never see you again. Or even when I go to speak places, like my goal, my least favorite speaking gig is just a keynote where they want me to come in and speak and then I'm done. Like, no, I want to, I want to develop a relationship. I want to serve you. I can't really serve you if I just come in and I speak for an hour. How do I continue to serve you and really help you apply what I'm sharing with you? So turning that into a longer engagement, a longer relationship into getting them into a longer program. So I learned that lesson the hard way because I definitely started out with just kind of that one and done. And so it stopped, you know, I mean, it's real, really hard, fill a program and then work to deliver that program. But then I stopped the networking and filling the, you know, meeting new people and creating new leads so then when that program ended, then I switched gears and now it's meet new people, build new leads, build a relationship, fill the program. Then I, but then I would stop with the networking. And the, so there was just that stop and start, stop and so start. So that's like, you know, I think, which I think is a common for a lot of coaches is that whole feast and then famine. Yes. Yes. And that's what I, yeah, I mean, that's a big thing that, especially now, like having a family and, and whatnot, that 
that's a big thing that I work with my clients in developing their business model. So now, now some of it is going to be up and down, right? I mean, that's just entrepreneurship. That's <laughs> business. But if you can create a business model that has some more built-in sustainability so that a client is with you longer, meaning they're paying you longer, that then you have more time mm. to fill the funnel with with new clients and meeting new people and building those relationships. So it buys you some more time if you can extend that life cycle. I would say on average, a client of mine now stays with me at least a year, if not, it's probably even like a year and a half to two years because I have continuity programs where they stay in forever. There is no end date. And so there's no reason to leave <laughs> unless they're sick of me, <laughs> which, which happens, which happens. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. But anyway, so I'm, I'm curious um, still about this kind of nine months, because I know there'll be people listening to this who are particularly interested. I mean, I think it's invaluable, really, what you're pointing out here. But um, so f for you, where were those first clients coming from? The, fir the first leads? was that coming out of part of the training that you did what was what was going on there yeah yeah no I guess so I again being naive and not even knowing what I didn't know so I had my day job nine you know kind of a it, there was flexibility so I would could come in I could like squeak in by like nine thirty or 10 without like drawing too much attention to myself um and then you know be there till like five so I would actually work with clients before work like like from like eight to nine and then come into work at like nine thirty, Um, and then over my lunch hour, I'd set lunch appointments and I would take an hour lunch or an hour and a half. And I would go meet pe people over lunch and get clients that way. But here's, let me, I think what you want to know is even how did I get even those clients guess, to connect, have them in really, the morning? Yeah. How do we connect? How are so, you connecting with those people? So I, I, I joined a, I think it's international. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I joined a BNI business networking international group that met in the mornings. So I think it was once a week. It was like Thursday mornings. Every Thursday morning, I'd go to this BNI group, put my coach hat on, pretend I'm a coach, you know, <laughs> not pretend, but basically because I had no clients. Um, I'd go to this BNI networking meeting in the morning. Then in the evenings, there was a Toastmasters group. I'd go in the evenings, I'd go to a Toastmasters group to network. So that's how I started building on my a new network because everybody in my existing network knew me as a coach. I mean, I mean, knew me as an IT web administrator. Nobody knew me as a coach. Yeah. So I had to start to build this new identity, this new presence of being a coach. So I, yeah, BNI, Toastmasters. And then where my real kind of big break was, I was listening to the radio in the morning and they were talking about like the law of attraction and mindset. And I was like, this is my gig. Like, this is my game. Like, they're talking my language. So I emailed the radio station and I said, I love your segment that you had this morning. Um, I actually am a certified life coach. This is exactly what I work with my clients on. I'd love to come on your show and share more, more about this topic and add more value to your listeners around this topic. You know, and I sent this thinking you know, they're never going to reply to me. Um, <laughs> and even while I was typing it up, I'm like, this is so stupid. What are you doing? Like this, this, like, come on, you know, who are you to be on this as show? I, as I said in the intro, we all have that noise going on. Right? Totally. Totally. Um, so I emailed the radio station. They actually emailed me like right back and said, awesome. Why don't we have you come in? We'll have a conversation and if it's good we'll get you know we'll go on it we'll go live and i'm like shit <laughs> <laughs> okay okay oh okay okay great oh what the hell am i gonna talk like okay and so i was so excited but like scared out of my mind yeah. of like what have I just gotten myself into? And then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what if my boss hears me on the radio? What if people hear me on the radio? Like, this is so good, but yet so not. So, um, you know, kind of got myself together, went into the station, radio station, hit it off, like just awesome. They put me on air. On, I mean, they put me on air. Then they start, we start like taking live callers and everything. I mean, it was totally the rush that, 
I yeah. like just ate up every second of it. That does, to and, me, that does sound a bit like jumping out of an airplane, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right. It was it was like that. So um, they loved it. I loved it. And then they just kept asking me to come back. They put my picture and my website on their morning show website saying this is our life coach for the morning radio show. <laughs> um, I mean, it was like ridiculous. And then people started calling me. So here's I got it. Let me back up. I had this affirmation that I would say to myself, I'd say, quality customers are seeking out my services. Quality customers are seeking out my services. Quality, awesome, amazing customers, ideal customers are seeking out my services. They're paying me. They're emailing me. They're knocking on my door. They're calling me. Quality customers are seeking out my services. I said this over and over and over. And then after I got on the radio show, guess what? They started calling me. Like, then they were calling me. They were emailing me. And so I start. I got in, and so who called me was, I had a couple of real estate offices that called me, and a financial office, financial advisor office that called me, and so I started doing mastermind groups in their real estate office, and so that's what I would do in the mornings. I would go from eight to nine. I'd go into a real estate office, and I was doing teachings and a mastermind group around the the uh, the content from Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. If you've read that book. And so I would take the principles from Think and Grow Rich and I'd go into this office and I'd teach on it. Um, and same with the financial advisor office. We would do the same thing and that we do do in the evenings. And then uh, from my, so that was kind of how it got caught. The radio was big. The radio was like yeah. kind of a big, a big yeah. break for me. The other thing was in BNI, um, I, there was a, a woman in a network marketing company and um, she got together a group of people from her team and I started to do a mastermind group. I'll pay, you know, a paid mastermind group with a group of her team, her downline. And they all knocked it out of the park. They started earning their cars and their trips and they were going to the next level in their, their, you know, their business and got the attention of their national sales director, which is like the top of their upline. Mm -hmm. And was like, what are you guys doing? And they all pointed back to me. And so they introduced me to her. And then she, all she said to her, like thousands of people, she's like, oh my gosh, you guys need to get in this class, this mastermind class with Melissa. So like literally overnight, um, I had like 200 people sign up for my mastermind group. So, you know, I had some pretty big home runs, some pretty big breaks, if you will, that came. But at the same time, there was there was nothing special about me that why someone else can't have a big break. And I think it goes back to kind of even how you started this call, this podcast with is the willingness to be open to possibility, the yeah. willingness to challenge your own mindset, the willingness to challenge what you think is not possible, the willingness to think, why does something have to take so long? And because I was so naive, I thought it was actually possible to do it in nine months. Like there what I didn't I actually thought that was reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds so, me, I think I've I've heard I, I mean I don't know whether this is true. It could just be one of those uh, stories that's that's around to, to motivate us. But it's something about, you know, um if you look at the the uh biology and the physics of a of a bumblebee, there's like there's no way they could possibly fly. But they don't know that. Right. Exactly. Their wings are like so teeny tiny and shouldn't even be able to carry their little bodies, but they don't have that awareness. And so therefore yeah. they fly. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And, and, you know, I don't want to, at the end, I really hear what you're saying and it's I just, I love it so much. And it's such a wonderful example of like, we just have no idea what might come of just sending an email. Totally. And here's the thing though. It's, it's sending the email in the midst of the chatter because the, the chatter, the, the, the noise that says, why would you send the email? They're not going to reply back to you. Or who are you to send this email? You don't even have any clients. You've never done this before. And it's to send it anyways, to take action amidst, among the fear. And so I have an event that's called the Fearless Dream Builder. And people sometimes are like, well, fearless doesn't exist. It doesn't exist to be fearless. And to me, fearless means it's not the absence of fear. 
it means you feel the fear and you do it anyways. It means you have the doubt, but it, you don't let it own you. You don't let it paralyze you. You don't let it have this grip and this chokehold on you. you are, you're aware of it. You acknowledge it, but you don't let it own you. And that's really, I feel, is when the power of an email, it's, it's, not, that the fe- it's not the fear is going to go away. It's just that you feel the fear and you send the email anyways. You pick up the phone and you make the call anyways. You know, so often names will pop up into my mind or if I, I work with my clients to say, okay, let's just kind of get centered and let's let our intuition bring some names to us. And the first thought that comes when a name pops up is, well, well, they're so busy, you know, or oh, they have three kids, you know, they're not going to want to come to my workshop or, you know, they don't have the money or that's too big. You know, that's a big company. They're not going to, it's too hard to get into that company. And it's being able to, Oh, be aware of what's coming your way in those with those thoughts, but again, not acknowledging them and saying, "Oh, yes, that's interesting. That is a thought, but I'm going to make the call anyways." That name was given to me for a purpose. That mm-hmm. that 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 company or that person came into my awareness for a reason. I I believe that we are you know spiritual beings and we're connected energetically. So that name came to you for a reason. Let's just check it out. Let's go see. Let's go check in with them and see what they're up to. And and really teach my clients to trust their intuition more than trusting their mind, really, um, to really put their intuition in the driver's seat and let their mind be in service of their intuition, um, but really beginning to really trust, radical trust of what's coming to you. There's something there. Follow it. No matter what. <laughs> So I, I, you know, we do get these nudges of wisdom. Uh, previous guest, you know, described this beautifully. And Antian Van Hannen, he said, you know, that wisdom doesn't have words. It, it, you know, we just have like a feeling, like a little nudge. But then we add on all of that noise and all of the reasoning and why we should or we shouldn't and stuff, of, uh, rather than just simply just following up on it and taking the action. Like, like here's the thing I'm hearing from you. You're, you know, it's, it's the way I look at it is. The, the, any association between fear and taking action is completely fabricated in our own minds. It's a story. I call it BS, which is bogus story. It's a bogus, right. story. bogus story. It's just a story. And the great thing is, is you get to determine the story. Yeah. You get to change the story if you don't like the one that you're currently telling yourself. So I'm curious, how long did it take you to write the email? Did you spend like a whole week wondering and, and wanting to no, get it absolutely because, perfect? No, I sent it. No, I sent it that day because I I think I either sent it that day or the next day because I said I loved your segment yesterday or I loved your segment today. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. It was a morning show, so I either sent it later that day or I sent it the next day. And but it was within a day or two. But I had the I definitely had the mind chatter um, that was talking me out of it. But no, it was simple as this. I loved your segment. I lo- absolutely loved what you guys were talking about. I'm actually a certified life coach. Um, this is exactly what I work with my clients on. I had no clients. This is exactly what I work with my clients on. <laughs> and I would love to come on your show and add more value to your listeners. And so I made it about their listeners. You know, I'd love to add more value to your listeners. Um, you know, what do you think? Send. And, th- and I mean, it was literally like a couple sentences and Yeah. And, and so here's, but here's the other part of that. That's the other, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you asked the question is because I think there's also an attachment to when we do send a scary email or we do leave a scary voicemail or we do reach out to somebody that it has to be this perfect right. message. Right. I believe the more you write it when you're in alignment with your intuition, when you write it from your heart the words don't matter as much as the energy behind the words. Totally. So that's, that's it's totally where I was coming from in asking the question, because I know, and I, you know, I've worked with people who, okay, yeah. Okay. I'm going to take action on this, but then get caught up in wanting to make that perfect. It's like, if you haven't done it yet, it's probably already, you've already over, you've been overthinking it. Right. Totally. And, totally. I, and I think imperfect action trumps inaction every time. Every day of the week. Totally. <laughs> So, um, you know what, so I'm going to dive right in here because there's a couple of things you've, you've mentioned here. And, and so one thing here, I noticed, like, I have some pet peeves. Like, I, I spoke in the intro about my um, own opinions and stuff. And 
I love how you're talking entirely about, you know, being of service to people and making that about the clients. So one thing that um, I personally find distasteful about the profession is that there are people who will, who will jump straight on the scene with either no or very little training. This is one of the things about a profession, like it has a very, very low bar for entry. You know, anybody can put a plaque mm -hmm. up on the wall and say, hey, I'm a life coach. All right. Um, and then say, right, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you coach and build a coaching business. And in doing so, I'm going to, I'm going to like, what they're basically saying is I'm going to build my coaching business by helping you build your coaching business. Now, now personally, that is a little pet peeve of mine. Okay. Because I, mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. felt, well, I've been in this game like 13 years. It's been my sole uh, vocation for, uh, well, since 2011, however long that is, seven years. And um, I feel like, right, I've done my apprenticeship in that respect, right? Done like the groundwork and the training. And yeah, I've, I, I now know what it's like to be building a coaching business. And it's an extremely bumpy ride. So what's kind of your take on all of that? Because I know your focus now is um, very much helping other coaches build their business, coaches and trainers. So like, yeah, how has that come about? And could you speak to what I've pointed out? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I, I and I see this with coaches, either helping coaches build their business or helping authors write their books, but they haven't written a book or they have a book, but it's, you know, a self-published book. I, I mean, I think there's, um, I think I see it in the industry quite a bit where someone's teaching others to do something as I think we, I shared maybe in a previous conversation with you, but they're like teaching others how to swim when they don't know how to swim or they haven't swam. <laughs> they're writing a book on how to swim, but they themselves don't know how to swim. And it is a problem. I, I, I believe it is a problem because if you're teaching me how to build my coaching business, but the only reason that you're in business is because you're teaching me how to build a business, but you haven't built a business yourself, um, I find that there to be a problem there in with integrity um, and with really how I feel that somebody's going to be able to really help serve me and help build my business. So I, you know, not that. I don't know if the regulation of the coaching industry is going to change. I actually think it will change. I don't know how soon, but I do think it will change in how they regulate and qualify somebody who is, you know, a qualified coach in what they're teaching and what they're doing. Um, but yeah, no, it's a problem. It's a problem. And I think that when I encourage my clients to, talk to references. I encourage them to look at my track record. I encourage them. I'm an open book with, you know, even what I'm charging for my clients and what I'm making. Like I want them to take a look at under the hood at the engine of my business so that they can really see how I've built it and what I've created. And I think if there's a coach out there who's not willing to be transparent about the inner workings of their business and what they've done and what they're making and how much it costs. Like I tell my clients, you know, yeah, oh, you want to make six figures? Well, just keep in mind, it's probably going to cost you at least, at least 50 grand to run your business. So if you want to take home six figures, you need to be making at least 150 to cover the cost of running your business, of keeping, staying in business. And so, you know, we talk about money all the time, of what does it really cost? What does it really look like? Um, and I feel like if someone hasn't really built a successful business, they're not going to want to share. They're not going to want to let you take a look at what their business really looks like. So ask the question. If you're, in, if you're looking for a coach, see how open your coach is willing to share with you what mm. they've done when it comes to building their business. Because if they're not willing to share that, uh, I don't know. I, that to me is kind of a red flag that they're not being true to what they're telling you that they've done. I'm a big proponent on not just walking my talk, but more specifically talking my walk, right. meaning I'm talking yeah. what I, about what I've done. Um, <clears throat> and I'll tell my clients, like a lot of my clients work in with corporations are their clients. And I'll tell them, like, I don't have many if, you know, I could count on one hand in my 11 years in business that I've worked with an actual like business and corporation. So when they come to me with those types of questions, I actually have a mastermind of 
inner circle, I should say, of clients who they, and I refer them to each other mm. because I know that they can help them more. So I think that just the transparency, and don't get me wrong, I don't think that just because somebody hasn't built a successful business doesn't mean that they don't have value to add or share or that they can't help you. It just, I think that their integrity, their truth, them, them speaking the truth of where they're really at in their business, what they've really done, being transparent about that is I believe is what goes a long way. Um, if I feel that somebody, so uh, this is a perfect example. My coach that I've hired right now, that's my coach and helping me build my business. She's only been in business. Like, I don't even think two years, a year and a half. And she's made over seven figures. She's made past the million dollar mark in just the two years. And I'm like, really, really show me. Let me see. How'd you do that? And she, you know, and she is an open book and she shows, okay, this is what I had this program. This is what I charged. Here's how I got the clients. Here's what I did, um, both inside and out. Here's what I did. And, and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. (laughs) I need, I need your help. And so, and she on like, that's like even part of her brand is that she talks about how she did it in such a short amount of time and how she really breaks down what she did. So to your to the question it's not to say that somebody can't help somebody else but I, I to me that the transparency of how they did it what does it look like um to me I value that because it I'm all for somebody being an anomaly I'm mm. all for somebody breaking a record I'm all for like the underdog achieving like an awesome unimaginable result like I'm all for somebody doing something new that they're new to if they are really successful at it and they're amazing at it awesome share it but i do want that transparency i do want them to kind of show me behind the curtain on how they did it and what that looks like and if they're not willing to share that then then i think that there's a problem Hmm. there's a problem there so i'm wondering in, in what you've said there what do you think is the difference between those coaches that kind of bumble along struggle at the lower end, you know, maybe they're making 20, 30, 40,000 a year, just about getting by, just getting by. And then those that, you know, <laughs> um, essentially, yeah, manage to increase, you know, their disposable income significantly into, you know, perhaps multiple six figures. That's a, that's a, um, a big question, but I think that at the end of the day, what I really believe that it really is at the core, if we peel back the layers of the Mm -hmm. onion and we look at the core of it, I believe it goes back to somebody fully having radical trust in themselves and in their soul's journey and desire. When someone is so in their head, they, that is when they will, I, what I would say, like betray their own soul. They will, give more value and more weight to the bogus story, to the BS. They give more value and more weight to what if I fail? What will people think of me? What if this is a mistake? What if this doesn't work out? Can I really do that? Is that really possible? Like that whole fear-based energy and that fear-based thinking to me is the block. It's like the it's like the coffin of it's of your dream and it blocks you from hearing your true soul's desire it blocks you from loving and valuing and trusting and believing in where your soul is guiding you what your purpose on this planet is and when you can start to peel back some of those when you can start to like crack that nut and and let go of those stories and really begin to believe who you are, what you've been created and designed for, and to run toward it, I feel like then that's a game changer. Like you can, you're unstoppable. You can do anything yeah. when you get out of your own way. So I think the biggest thing the big, is that they're, it's them. They're in their own way and they're in their head too much that if they can get out of, then that's a lot of what I work with my clients on is get out of your head. When you're in your head, you're dead. Your head, your mind is meant to serve, be in service of your purpose, your highest and greatest good of what you're here to, you're created and designed to do on this, in this earth. 
And when you can let that be in the driver's seat, your soul be in the driver's seat, your purpose be in the driver's seat, like there's nothing you can't do. Doesn't mean, again, doesn't mean it's not going to be scary. Doesn't mean that you're not going to like fall flat on your face. But it still means that it's the difference of falling flat on your face and getting back up again to run or having to sit and like think you've been defeated. What are some of some of the things times where perhaps you've fallen flat on your face that mm. uh, you then learn from? <laughs> where <laughs> got some shall favorite, I start? Got some favorite where ones. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> where shall I begin? Well, this is a um, kind of a fun one because it just happened, so it's kind of fresh for me. Um, is so I have certain programs that I've been running for years, and I know how to fill them. Right? I mean, there there's the process, there's a a system on how to um, fill them, and I had set some really big goals for the last quarter of the year, and so I, you know, I'm I'm doing my running my system I'm doing what I do and it's like crickets like nothing like not even like oh we got low enrollment we got zero enrollment (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like what is going on here and even you know brought my team together and I'm like okay what is going on here like what and what do we need to change what do we need to tweak and and I caught myself questioning and doubting, like, well, is this program really any good? Or, you know, maybe we, you know, maybe we have to redo it. Maybe, you know, like, and don't get, I think some of that questioning, it's always good to like evaluate your stuff and always evaluate if there's ways to up level it and make it better. But it was more, I was taking it personally. I'm like, well, maybe they don't like me. Maybe they found somebody else. Maybe, you know. Um, and here's what I think the biggest, opportunity of that whole experience was because I had had such a great year. I've had such a great year. To me, when I see falling on my face or something not working out as planned, that let me, well, sorry, let me back up one more second. So when I've set these big goals, it's not just for me, it's for my team too, because I have to pay my team. So when we don't meet a goal, it's not only my own fail, it's I'm putting their, them, you know, their income and what they're expecting in jeopardy as well, because I need to pay them. So there's like this double whammy, this double like hit or Mm. failure feeling because I let myself down. I haven't hit my goal for me, but then I've also am concerned about my team and making sure they're getting paid and making sure that they're going to stay with me. Um, So just that was kind of like the double hit of that. But here's what I I really believe that every time that something doesn't go as planned, a goal, I don't hit a goal. um, And especially when the self-talk starts to go to just the self-judgment and the, the blame and the shame and the what if and what's wrong with you and what happened and they don't like you anymore and the, just that bully voice is I always see that as an opportunity to love myself, to love myself through the failure, to say like I, don't, I can't just celebrate myself and value myself and love myself when my programs are full. I need to be able to love myself, value myself, and celebrate myself when zero people sign up for a program. So that, I always see that as a, such a, a, a real deep personal growth opportunity to have just this radical commitment to myself that no matter what, that I can experience my worth and my value and not place. Cause I tend to notice like when I'm hitting records, breaking records, I start to place my value is in my achievement. The value is in what I've done and what I've, and how many people signed up and how much I've made and da, 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 that when I don't hit that, I'm like, okay, perfect. I trust you universe. I trust that this is all a perfect orchestration for my soul's evolution. And so therefore this is happening perfectly so that I can experience my worth without the achievement. So um, that's been a many years in the making of getting to that point, but had this happening, just happening, 
was really cool to experience it differently than I have in the past. Where in the past I do a lot of the self judgment and the blame and the and what's wrong and blah blah blah. Where this time I I felt it, I heard it, and then I quickly went to the self love, the self worth, and and a loving on myself and celebrating what I have, and not even just celebrating what I've accomplished, but celebrating who I am, mm. minus the achievements, minus the money in the bank, and that there's nothing uh, to me. There's nothing that feels better than mm, that. Beautiful. So a couple of practicalities then really around, um, I know in our previous conversation, we, you, you've mentioned about learning entre- entrepreneurship. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, and I'm in also curious really how you fit all this in around bringing up, you know, you've got a couple of kids, young kids and you're married and, I also know that in one of our previous conversations, you mentioned around like, you know, time management, perhaps being a challenge for coaches. Um, how do you manage all of that? I, my greatest secret <laughs> is, is, a, is, is, well, it's two things. One is a team. I don't do it by myself. I have a team in my business. I have a team in my home. And so I always say the smartest, um, whether you want to say the smartest mom or the smartest parent or the smartest entrepreneur, to me is the one that has the biggest team. <laughs> so I have help because I, I value, and the reason why I have help is because I value the time that I have, that I want with my family. And I'm not willing to work at all ends of the day, every hour, just so that I can make the money for my family, I would, I really value wanting to spend the quality present time with my family. So that means I work less, but if I'm going to work less, that means I need to delegate. So delegating, bringing on the right people onto my team so I can delegate. So, so that's one is the team. And then the second though, is what I would call exacting standards, meaning, um, or you could call them boundaries, but I'd like the word standards better than boundaries, that I say no to business. I've turned down, I've turned away thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of business because they wanted me to do something in the evening or they wanted me to travel and I, and I didn't want to. So I said no, or I referred them out to a strategic partner, somebody else that I know can deliver. And so I am so willing to say no to something if it comes at the expense of what I say I want and who I say I want to be. So when it comes to time management, it's okay. What has to be done by me that I can't delegate? Not only what has to be done by me, but what are the things that I absolutely love to do that I want to do that I don't want to delegate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so as much as I can, it's keeping me in my sweet spot and delegating all the rest. Now, that's easier said than done because I am a bit of a control freak. I like things how I like things. So it's got it's it's taken me a while to get to the point of delegation, delegating more than I want. Not say what I want, but more than like what my ego wants. (laughs) Um, But I have a master trainer on my team. She runs like an entire program for me. That was a really big deal because that was like a program that's like my baby and to like hand that baby over to somebody else for them to run that entire program. But it now affords me the flexibility to have her running that program, building the brand, building the company. um, And I don't have to do anything. I shouldn't say do anything, but you know, I don't have to run it. I come on and I introduce her and there's parts that I do, but for the most part she's running it. So I think when, and, and, you know, I say that now being 11 years in, but in the beginning, you know, I did do it all. I had to do everything. So, you know, this was a, a, a journey for sure. But I always tell my clients, whether you're in your first year of business or your 10th year of business, it should always be part of your vision is to have a team. You're, it should always be a part of like, why would you want to do this all by yourself? I, to me, that to me, I don't, I, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, because if you're doing it all by yourself, like, then that means it's all on you. And when do you take a vacation? When do you, you know, what, what if you're sick? What if your family member's sick and you need to take three weeks off? Does that mean you don't serve your clients for three weeks? Like that, that doesn't make sense. So when, 
when I say to build a team, the reason why I think that's so important for someone's vision and to help them with their time management is because it then affords them to have a life. <laughs> <laughs> like I left, I went to a workshop earlier this year, back in May. It was two weeks. Like who the hell has a two week workshop? I don't know. But I was at a two week workshop and for two weeks I didn't touch my business. But that was because I, then I had a team that was running my yeah. business. And I don't say that to impress you, but rather to impress upon you the importance of if you really want to own your time, if you really want to own your business and not have your business own you, you need to have a team. You, need, you must be able to delegate and get other people managing other parts of your business so that you can take a true vacation, not a vacation where your laptop is on your lap, um, but a true vacation where you can set your business down. Um, you know, I've had clients where they've had floods in their home and they've had to step away from their business for two, three weeks. I've had whether like their parents got sick and they had to step away for a month. And, and I say to them, you know, this is the perfect example of the importance of why you can't have everything be on you. Otherwise, when life happens, you're in trouble, you're in trouble. So one is having a team so you can delegate. And then two is really having standards of once you put your plan in place or you have your time schedule mapped out, you must enforce it. If you say you don't want to work on the weekends, mm -hmm. then you can't work on the weekends. If you say you don't work in the evenings, then you can't take a client who can only work with you after 6 p.m. Then you don't take that client. So it's the honoring your your standards it's honoring your time so that you say yes to the right things and no to the quote unquote wrong things you know you know what to say yes to you you know what to say no to and so i'm kind of i'm i'm i'm, I'm very um i was gonna say strict that's not the right word honor is the word i just honor my time and i honor what i value and therefore i design my days i design my business in a way that honors my values and honors what I say I want and who I say I want to be. And don't get me wrong. It's not always, it's hard. It's hard to say no when a client yeah. is willing to pay you, but they want to work in the evenings. Sorry. Like, again, I'm not willing to sell out just for a client, but it comes at the expense of what I'm saying that I want and the design, designing the life that I say that I want. If you want true, true freedom, I really just believe in the power of honoring the time schedule that you say is, you know, is important to you. Yeah. And, I, and you know, what? I know that's a very individual thing, right? For, for others, working an evening is like, it's completely fine, right? But, but I, totally. what I hear you is, you know, if you're designing a life, then live into that, live into the design of the life that you, know, that you have designed. And and you know what? I, I, I also know I'm pretty good at coming up with some pretty limited negative thinking, but by the same token, I'm pretty good at ignoring it, right? So I notice, well, yeah, but what if you just cannot, if you don't have the money to hire help? Well, I mean, I, I want to speak to that because um, in the past, I've found myself... Um, in those circumstances help doesn't have to even cost any money actually I've traded services before and, and stuff like that like I think it help is help always available even, help is always, it's always available it's always available and it doesn't even need to be a lot so I think right. that some people think if they have an assistant that they have to like work 20 hours a week or something it's like no you could hire an assistant and they work three hours a week yeah. for you you know, it's like, go get, or you can get an intern, get your, you know, a college kid or a high school kid who knows technology that can like manage some of your social media or some of your email or can just schedule some posts or schedule some blogs. Like it doesn't, and it could just be a couple hours, you know, and if you're paying them 10 bucks an hour or 15 bucks an hour, you're looking at, you know, less than, you know, you're like looking at less than 50 bucks um, a week. And, and noticed, if you have, yeah, yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I get that, and and <laughs> I've noticed as well, and I, and it's a great reminder for me because I sometimes forget this is that the stuff the the stuff that I want help with tends to be the stuff that I'm a one not very good at, and I'm not very good at it, so therefore I don't enjoy it, and because I don't enjoy it, I never get any better at it, right? So, um, it's stuff that might take me a day, 
two weeks actually the thing i'm thinking of which somebody mm-hmm. could do in an hour totally totally so this so to that <laughs> point is i would say if i could be direct <laughs> is i would say you're not valuing your genius that's not your genius yeah. you're not valuing your true genius of you how you serve a client so it's if it when we when we truly value our genius i would rather put in the hours to network and get a new client because that return not only the return financially but the return on just me living in alignment with my genius and my purpose that return is so much higher and greater and more fulfilling than if i try and like design a flyer or something (laughs) like you said it would take me forever to do plus it's not going to be as good as if somebody else could do it and in that regard i'm not honoring my true gifts my true genius my true purpose so whenever i catch my clients you know spending more time on those more administrative activities it's bringing them back to okay wait a minute wait a minute let's talk about what your true genius is let's talk about what your true purpose is let's talk about your true vision of what are you trying to build here and how are we making, we, I say we because I live vicariously through them, how are they, how are they making decisions that aren't in alignment with that? And just helping them see how their decision making isn't in integrity with their purpose. It's not in alignment with what they're saying they're trying to build. So, and, and don't get me wrong, it's hard. Like, it's hard to hire somebody when it feels like you don't have the money to do so. But if you really take those three hours that you're going to hire somebody to go create something for you that would normally take you three weeks. But if you really took those three hours and you did a Facebook live and you went in, you went to a networking meeting and you followed up with some leads and you really turned those three hours into an income producing three hours. I mean, you could have a, you could have a paid client by the end of the three hours. Hmm. To me, I would value that way more than, um, than spending the three weeks trying to get that thing done because I didn't want to have to hire somebody. Wonderful. Melissa, absolutely wonderful talking to you. There's so much in this episode for, for people. Um, you know, and I'm sure there's people listening to that. I've got one more question to you for you, actually, what is, but I, I, and I want to finish on that. But uh, people are sitting there with their notebooks, like I have been, actually sketching through things down, and I'll go back and listen to this one for sure. Um, how can people get in contact with you? So I, specifically if you're a coach or a trainer, I run a free Facebook group called Hot Pursuit Nation, and it is full of free trainings. It's full of um, just a lot of resources around building a coaching and training business. So if you want some free goodies, you can check me out on Facebook. Um, My Facebook group is called Hot Pursuit Nation. And if you want to check out just all of me, my services, my books I've written, um, you can check me out at xrcoaching.com. That's xrcoaching.com. And yeah, the links will be in the show notes. Thank you for that. So you, my final question, Melissa, is that it's, it's, I mean, personally for you, what's the purpose of the work that you do? My purpose is to widen awareness enough so that people will believe in themselves enough to take action and pursue their dreams. So my purpose is to open the door to one's potential and enough for them to believe in it, to take that first step toward their dreams. That's what I'm all about. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate you. Well, that is Melissa West. And she's quite different to many of the guests I've had on this podcast. And I think that's amazing. I like that. Her energy, her willingness to take action. I love that story of her sending a simple email to a radio station. and All that that led to a wonderful example of where taking action, irrespective of our noise and our stories, can lead us. Uh, I've got my own similar examples of that, which I often share with my clients. It's quite amazing what can happen if you just simply take action, irrespective of the stories in our heads. She was relentless in offering herself to be of service, in this case to the radio listeners, and 
doors opened. Maybe to some of us, what she did might look a little crazy, you know, like setting a goal to leave her job so soon, sending that email, attending all those networking and Toastmaster events. But the thing I get from Melissa is she's very action orientated. And I often say, I know of no better way of creating real change in the world than taking action. So what have you got from this episode? What's your one big takeaway? What action might you take? I'd love to hear from you and maybe explore with you because each month I'm now selecting someone from listeners that have contacted me to have a follow-up conversation which may be featured in a future episode of this podcast. So what's your one takeaway from this conversation? And maybe you'd like to consider what's the craziest thing you've had an urge to do but talked yourself out of? get in touch and once again i'd like to ask you if you're enjoying this podcast it would make a huge difference if you take just that one minute to leave an honest review on itunes if you do that please let me know i may have something for you in return okay i'm off to take some action now and maybe do something a little crazy who knows so thank you once again for listening i wish you much love and joy